Um, today is the Lord's Day. Um, we celebrate the Lord through the power of the cross. Um, it's why we're here. And uh, so I'm grateful to share that with you guys. I do hope that this sermon uh, encourages all of our spirits. I enjoyed uh, studying this week, and I really hope you enjoy uh, being encouraged by the Lord this morning. We're going to be in Luke uh, chapter 24. That's uh, 1060 in your pew Bible. Uh, so if you would, please turn to that. Uh, it is called the Road to Emmaus. Uh, we'll study verses 13 to 35. Um, but for our scripture reading, we're only going to be doing 13 to 27. Uh, it's really important you keep the Bible open uh, throughout this time. It's very important because uh, the Bible is God's word. Uh, I'm only interpreting it. And so uh, if you really want to hear from God, keep the Bible open. Uh, I'll refer to it quite a bit as we go along. Um, in my study, I use commentaries from the Tyndale series and that of Hendrickson. Hendrickson's a great resource. Uh, also used uh, N.T. Wright's and Howard Marshall's books on Luke. Our passage comes three days after the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, the third day is significant uh, because that's the day Jesus was resurrected. And at the beginning of 24, you see Luke's account of the women uh, finding the empty tomb uh, and their vision of angels. Uh, he also mentions Peter running to see for himself what is happening there. Uh, most, of those, uh, most of those who did go to the tomb were amazed, but those who continue to hide seem to doubt the account. Um, also, the, uh, you see shortly after hearing these news, the two disciples that we're going to spend time studying today uh, decided to leave to go home to Emmaus. It's on this long road home that Luke chose to write his account of Jesus' first resurrection appearance. Um, I hope when you hear God's story today, you'll hear God's gospel story. And I pray that Jesus will restore your hope in him. Um, he'd open that, that he'd open your eyes to his word as he did to these two and that we had learned to share God's gospel story uh, from the deep love and understanding that he gives us. And now if you're in Luke 24, oh, please stand as we read the word of the Lord starting in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And they talked and discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked among him, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here these days? What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. They said to him, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory and beginning with Moses and all the prophets he explained to them 
what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Let's pray. Jesus, you're our resurrection, and your resurrection is plain to see. But there are some of us who haven't believed. Uh, we doubt the witness who, the witnesses who testify to your resurrection. We uh, choose to live as if you're dead. We praise your faithfulness, Lord. Uh, while we were lost in depression, you saved us. Uh, while we were blind, you healed our eyes to see you. And so it's no surprise that after seeing you, we declare to the world that you are alive. Jesus, please, would you read and teach your gospel story to us today? It's your name, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. First uh, of three parts, uh, longing for Christ but missing the message. Two unique words are found in our passage. First is Emmaus. Uh, the location of Emmaus is still a mystery. Uh, the only mention of it, it, this is the only mention of it in Scripture. Uh, translated literally, it means hot springs. Uh, earlier this week I had some fun uh, on Google Maps. See if I can find it. Um, and there are some towns that consider themselves to be Emmaus. And so I took a visual tour of Latrun. Um, next to this village is a large park where I traveled down windy, rocky paths and came across a beautiful freshwater spring. Um, there, people had posted pictures uh, of their children playing in these streams. And if Latern isn't a mess, I'm, uh, I'm sure it did have these watery springs where people would be refreshed. And I'm sure it would be a very comfortable place to live uh, and, and a wonderful place to be after a five-hour walk from Jerusalem. I love seeing these visual tours because it reminds me that Emmaus is a real place. Um, It is not a fairy tale. It's not fiction. Um, The Bible is God's gospel story of hope, and it's true today as it was then. Another unique word is uh, the name Cleopas. He's the only follower follower mentioned by name there, and uh, the rest of Scripture doesn't really clearly identify Cleopas Early church historians consider him to be Joseph's brother. Uh, and if that's true, then Cleopas would be Jesus' earthly uncle. Regardless, uh, the two followers, having just heard that Jesus was alive, decided not to stay in Jerusalem. Instead, they set out to Emmaus, which was likely their home. I get a strong sense that these two disciples were consumed by the tragic loss and death of Jesus. And if Jesus was Cleopas' nephew, then the pain would have just been all the worse. It was only three days ago that they watched Jesus tried, convicted, tortured with whips, and then killed at the hands of their own religious leaders and their Roman rulers. This grief became despair because all their hopes were in Jesus. You look at that in verse 19 to 21. They confessed that they believed Jesus was a... Mighty prophet in word and deed before God and all people. Find verse 21 now at the end. Uh, They said they'd hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Do you see that? They hoped. Past tense. Hoped was gone. It died. And then they said Jesus was going to redeem Israel. As if Jesus was their chosen political or religious leader. Uh, Jesus was there to fix the country, to reform the spiritual leadership. So, support Jesus in 33 A.D. 
Jesus was there to fix it, but Jesus didn't fix anything because Jesus didn't redeem Israel. He didn't uh, overcome Roman rules. Um, instead, Israel killed him, and he saw Rome do it. The two hoped in Jesus, and all their hopes died with him. Their grief was so raw that when a stranger asked what they were talking about, their mourning just became all the more worse. Did you see it in the text? It's verse 17. They stood still, their faces downcast. I also wonder if the news of Jesus' resurrection only just added to their pain. Because if uh, they heard that Jesus was resurrected, don't you think they would stay? They decided to leave. Go back to verse 11, if you would. It's at the top of 24. You'll read that after hearing Jesus was alive from several women, the disciples considered it an idle tale, and they did not believe them. One commentator translated it like this. It seemed to the apostles to be nonsense. And they did not believe them. I think Cleopas and his companion were among the doubters. Uh, They may have even gone to the tomb. You can see that in verse 24. They did not see Jesus. It's well known that grief can play horrible tricks on our minds. Uh, When uh, people have said uh, lost dear loved ones, they have often said that they have heard them or seen them after they have deceased. And so Cleopas um, maybe... Maybe he just couldn't take Jesus' dead visions anymore. Maybe he couldn't hope anymore. Jesus is dead. And sitting here in a locked room, talking about visions of angels, is the last straw. I can't do it anymore. I'm going home. Turning to his companion, he may have said, I can't stay in Jerusalem one more minute. If we leave now, we can make it before dark. And they left. And why shouldn't they leave? There was nothing left for them in Jerusalem. The city killed their Savior. Listening to his word and receiving revelation. I thank God for strangers. Uh, Have you noticed that strangers seem to have more of an impact on your life than maybe your trusted friends? Uh, when we were trying to plan the men's fellowship dinner, uh, we discussed who would be the speaker. And this is what somebody said. Anyone who lives 30 minutes away is considered an expert. <laughs> is that ridiculous? It's true. It's really true. We respect and listen to strangers uh, more than we can consider the advice of those we know. We think of those we know as ordinary. Uh, and so the two companions weren't willing to listen to their friends. They weren't li- willing to listen to the women. Uh, they'd rather trust a stranger. So thank God for strangers. Um, Jesus came to them in the form of a stranger because he knew they'd rather trust a stranger. And at the same time, I'm no stranger to you, and so I'm kind of worried now, you know. This is just Bo. You know, what does he have to say? Um, and so it, it kind of makes me a little insecure, so I'm going to just push that aside and just trust that you are listening. Um, as a stranger, Jesus asked these two enough questions to reveal really what they believed about him. And now Jesus um, felt it was really kind of time to start correcting their theology. But before we receive good news, uh, Jesus often gives us some bad news. Uh, the good news is that Jesus is right. The bad news is you're not. Sorry. Uh, 
Jesus gave them the bad news first. It's in uh, uh, verse 25. How foolish you are. How slow to believe. So Jesus isn't mean, but he's not nice. And he's telling them truth. Uh, and, and I hope we would all be grateful to hear truth, even if it's difficult. This is what he said. Sluggish in mind. Dull of perception. Slow of heart to believe and trust in him. It's true that you and I can be a little dull like these two. Uh, there's this book um, that I'm reading right now. It's The Imperfect Disciple. is written by Jared Wilson. And he told me some bad news this week. Uh, he said uh, this, you know what a penny looks like? And in my book tape, I said, yeah, you probably see one every day. Yeah, but I bet you couldn't tell me the way Lincoln is facing. No, but you can't see what's printed on his left. No, why? Because we don't really look at the things we think we already know. We don't study the familiar. The very fact that we consider something familiar sort of stifles any impulse to study it. I think this is the big problem disciples of Jesus have with Jesus. They take him for granted. I thank God uh, for strangers like Jared in my life. Uh, Because if you would have told me this, I don't know if I would have listened to you. I think we already know Jesus, so we don't study Jesus. And if we're honest, we might not even listen if Jesus didn't come as a stranger. And yet he loves us. Jesus will pretend to be a stranger. And praise God, Jesus loves us so much that he'll tell us the truth when we're absolutely wrong. And now that he has our attention, I hope you'll receive his correction. Uh, Jesus, seeing the real pain and lost hope in his, fr- uh, his two friends, gives them relief. To do that, he adjusts their perspective. Uh, Jesus starts to talk as, he's a, as if he's an expert. You'll see that in verse 26. Uh, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? So I want you to do this if you're able. Underline the, uh, the words have to in your Bible. If you're able to do that, if you've got a pen, please do that. Jesus had to suffer. It was necessary and essential. Jesus knew there was no way around shame, rejection, torture, and sin-satisfying suffering that comes from the wrath of God. Jesus had to because he predestined it. For himself. So Jesus teaches us that suffering was purposeful. Suffering is necessary for our hope and his glory. The disciple is, and our problem is, is that we want glory without suffering. We want a child without child pains. We want success without setting our alarm clock, without needing a $100,000 loan. And personally, I want a healthy church, but I don't want to call you to repentance. I certainly don't want you to call me out. We want glory without suffering. We want glory without suffering like we read uh, Leviticus 20, 26, when God says, Be holy as I am holy. We'll just redefine holy for a second. We'll say, well, holiness is just trying 
as hard as we can. Uh, we'll say, well, that's the Old Testament. So, you know, God's not holding us to that kind of same standard anymore. Uh, Jesus corrects sinful theology, sinful thinking. And repentance will lead to a church to health. Uh, pain will produce a child. Reward will only follow risk. And so if we want to understand truth, we have to admit we need Jesus to tell us the truth. Learning to share the gospel through God's gospel story. Uh, this gospel truth is really right in front of us. We only need to read it as Jesus wrote it. Uh, I believe God the Father has already written all of history. I believe he did so to glorify his son, Jesus. And I believe that God's gospel story was written down over the course of thousands of years by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I believe God inspired the Bible for these, and I'm talking about this one, these Emmaus moments. That's why Jesus explained his redemption in Scripture. He started in Genesis, which literally means beginning. He started at the beginning. And for the next four plus hours, he explained to these two the whole Old Testament. Not just a general overview. He, just, he showed him his presence throughout it. That's verse 27. Look at it, if you would. Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He talked about Genesis 3.15, how he just crushed the head of Satan. Exodus 12.13, how his blood just became the Passover lamb. Uh, Numbers 24.17, how he's the star of Jacob and the scepter of deliverance. De- Deuteronomy 18.15, how he's the prophet Moses said would come. And that's just from Moses' first five books. There's another 55 verses from another 34 books that we could talk about today. I, I hope you're interested in staying another four hours. I, I don't know if you are, though. Right? I don't know if we're interested in that. But hopefully I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe you are interested. I'll go back to that later. Uh, the emphasis Jesus is making is that he went through all of Scripture. This passage tells us uh, to have a covenantal approach to Scripture. That is to say, we need to believe that all of Scripture is really one story, God's gospel story about Jesus. The story is summed up like this. God created all things good, and Jesus walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. But when our first parents sinned, we inherited their rebellious spirit, which separates us from God. But when our parents um, did that, they also God gave them also a, a, a plan about his righteousness, about what would happen. And so, praise God, he didn't leave us in our sin, but promised salvation through his son. That's redemption. He took the punishment and all the suffering that we deserved. That's what redeem means. Jesus took our sin, defeated death through the power of his resurrection, and will come back to make all things new. It's just too bad that these disciples, when they were in Bible club or a class, didn't get it. In fact, they walked away from Jesus' empty tomb on Easter Morning. They're missing the moment all of history was waiting for ever since Genesis 3.15, which Jesus just taught them. It's sad. 
It's so sad that Jesus didn't let it happen. God didn't allow his two friends, who were barely a footnote in our study Bibles, to miss the Easter service. Do you believe Jesus loves you that much? Will he let you remain in grief and disappointment? Would Jesus let little footnotes like you and me to just miss out on the most significant moment of all of history? Will he not follow you? No, Jesus will come for you. Jesus loves you. He loves your hard head. He loves your calloused heart. He will amaze you by correcting your understanding of him. But only, only if you will listen. Remember the context. These two were crushed by the death of Jesus. They had enough of fairy tales and angels. They were gone. And they left Jerusalem behind to go home. Then to top it off, some random guy is going to show up. And they, he doesn't even know who Jesus is. He can't even understand their pain that they're feeling. Great. Now I have to share the road with this guy for five hours. But once Jesus started teaching, what did they do? They started listening. And before they knew it, the sun was going down and their house was just around the next block. And, and they didn't want this stranger to go. They wanted him to stay. Look, if you would, at verse 28. Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Listen to this one commentator says about this moment. The plan of God for our lives does not cancel decision making on our part. I'll read it again. It's that important. The plan of God for our lives does not cancel decision making on our part. If these two didn't ask Jesus to stay, Jesus would have kept going. They would have never known who he was. I wonder how many times we've just let Jesus keep going. How many times have we said to him, well, it's getting late, you know, got to go. Or, sorry, I'm tired, I'm swamped, just got back from this long trip. My nephew, you know, my nephew just passed and I just, I just need some time alone. At least we're polite. But how many Easter's have we missed? Believe this. You and I have the power to miss out. You have that power. But praise God that these two didn't miss out. Jesus knew just what to say. He knew to come as a stranger. He knew what he had to tell them. And they didn't find out that Jesus was a stranger or that he was annoying or that he was an inconvenience. Instead, they welcomed him into their home. In the last verses, you see the two disciples and the strangers sitting at the table with a loaf of bread between them. Just as Jesus picks up the bread and breaks it, the most fantastic moment of their lives occurred. It's there in verse 31. Look at it. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Jesus opens their eyes and they see him as he really is. I wonder if it was when Jesus broke the bread, if they saw his nail-scarred hands. 
I, I don't know what it was. But just like that, their eyes were open and they saw the man they were looking for in the tomb was really next to them the whole time. And then he was gone. He vanished. Did you see that as you read on? He vanished right in front of them. It couldn't be grief's vision because there was two of them. You know, and it lasted five hours and their bread is broken on the table. The women were right. Men, we hate saying that. They are right. They are right about the most important moment in all of history. Jesus is alive. So what do you do now? You go back to Jerusalem is what you do. We, we, see, we see these two leave and go to tell God's gospel story. And I bet if you run seven miles, it wouldn't take you five hours. So they returned in the middle of the night. They told the group everything. And then right when they finished, guess who reappears? Jesus. In verse 36, Jesus said to his friends, peace be with you. Suffering leads Jesus to glory. So our hope in Jesus doesn't disappoint. He will say to you, peace be with you. Let's celebrate the empty tomb. Let's grieve our sin, yes, but let's celebrate Jesus' grace more. And we are free to obey God as sons of God. So we're going to pay attention to holy strangers. But I'll, be, I'll give you a hint. You could save a long walk in five hours if you just listen to trusted friends too. You can do that for yourself. And by all means, invite Jesus in. Even after a long day's walk. Yeah, come to church. It's great. But what's keeping you from coming to Sunday school? Why wouldn't you go to Wednesday night worship? It's fun. It's awesome. Uh, what about joining a Bible study or a small group? They're all happening so soon. I'm not saying you need to go to everything. That's not what I'm saying. But you do have the power to miss out. So pay attention to our church's announcement. It's not, not 100% sure of this. And I'm, I'm the one who gives announcements. So I'm not 100% sure of this. But that might just be an invitation from Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, man, invite him into your life. He will do this. He will open your eyes. He'll read the Bible, his book, to you for hours. Hours, if you'd like. All you got to do is give him your, give him your time. That's it. Just got to give him your time. Our verse of the week is... Uh, Psalm 119, it's verse 18. Uh, It feels more like a prayer, so I'm going to ask that you would just pray it aloud together. Let's pray. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Jesus, we can be hard-headed and really heartless towards your word. And still, Lord, you love us and correct us by walking with us. Jesus, we... Welcome you here. We agree with scripture that we need our eyes open to you. Jesus, let us see you in our daily lives. Holy Spirit, convict us, please, when we shut the door to your prompting. Encourage our boldness as we run the seven miles in the middle of the night to share the great news of your resurrection. Transform us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's respond by singing together. I love to tell the story, which is 626. Please stand.